Good afternoon. I want to continue this uh, talk on uh, jhanas. Today, as I said yesterday, I want to start with uh, uh, jhana practice. Uh, I think you heard me uh, talking about uh, 37 uh, mountains and uh, jhanic factors are in all these 37 mountains. I use the, the word simile mountain because uh, 37 of them, uh, uh, all these 37, have a very direct relationship with uh, jhanas. And they are put into seven uh, groups, seven categories. And uh, each category has a factor related to jhana. For instance, uh, we have uh, the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, if you remember the Noble Eightfold Path, a uh, factor of jhana is there uh, under right uh, concentration, samma samadhi. Uh, samma samadhi has three aspects uh, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Concentration is defined in uh, invariably in terms of uh, four jhanas. Uh, I think you remember the jhanic uh, formula and all the four jhanas are mentioned in the right concentration. Secondly, jhana factor is mentioned in the <coughs> seven factors of enlightenment. The seventh of the sixth of the seventh factor of enlightenment is uh, enlightenment factor of concentration. Samadhi sambodhanga. And then we have uh, four uh, foundations of mindfulness. In the four foundations of mindfulness, uh, seven factors of enlightenment also mentioned under Dhamma Anupasana, uh, mindfulness of the Dhamma. And then for right exertions, uh, right exertion is little uh, uh, vague terms, not too many uh, people are talking about it, but uh, that is simply uh, right uh, uh, effort. But the formula is given differently. That is, uh, with um, uh, there are four f formulas. One is, uh, they are called Chanda, Chitta, Virya, Vimansa. Chanda is uh, desire. 
uh, will, intent. Uh, chitta means uh, uh, commitment, uh, determination. Virya is effort. Uh, Vimansa is uh, uh, investigation or wisdom. All these four are called listed as uh, four bases of uh, uh, accomplishments. And there again, it begins with uh, uh, Chanda Samadhi Sankara Samanagatang Idhipadang Bhaveti with will. Uh, one strives to gain jhana, which becomes the basis of accomplishments. And there again jhana is mentioned. Then, four bases of power, uh, that is, uh, uh, actually that is the four bases of power, the other is fourfold effort. First is fourfold effort. This is the four bases of fourfold effort is in the noble eightfold path. Then five faculties. Five faculties are faith, uh, perseverance, uh, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. There again, mind concentration is mentioned as a factor of enlightenment, factor of jhana, jhana factor. Then, for uh, five uh, uh, strengths, what you call, um, first is five faculties, second is five strength. When we cultivate faith, it becomes a power or strength. Uh, when we cultivate uh, perseverance, that becomes a power. Uh, then we when we cultivate mindfulness, that also becomes a power, power of mindfulness. And then when we cultivate concentration as a samadhi jhana, that becomes a samadhi bala. Then we cultivate uh, wisdom, then that becomes power of wisdom. Then again, for the, the jhana fact is mentioned there. Uh, putting all of them together, we practice jhana. That means, if we want practice one of them, we practice jhanas. For example, you can read this in uh, these texts. Uh, when you practice mindfulness of breathing, the factors of uh, Seven factors of enlightenment uh, is mentioned four times. That is when you practice mindfulness of the body. Mindfulness of breathing is divided into four groups. First uh, group is called mindfulness of body. Each has a four, four what we call four tetras. Uh, first four is mindfulness of the body. Second four is called mindfulness of feelings. Third four is called mindfulness of the mind. Fourth four is called mindfulness of the Dhamma. At the end of each section, Buddha said, if one practices one of these sections, one practices seven factors of enlightenment, 
one of which is jhanas. And then when you go to Mahasatipatthana Sutta, you can find the same thing. So, you can see jhana practice is uh, almost uh, inevitable practice in our meditation. That is why I wanted to put all these 37 together to show how important the jhana practice, jhana practice is. And this, when we take the uh, one of these categories, seven factors of enlightenment, for example, you can see the logical sequence of the development of concentration. First is mindfulness. We practice mindfulness as we normally do, keep practicing, 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 morning, evening, daytime, nighttime, sitting, standing, walking, and and any posture we practice mindfulness. These days, um, practicing mindfulness is not so commonly mentioned. Uh, There are groups called uh, sitting groups. They are not called meditation groups, they are called sitting groups. Sitting groups you can find on the bus, you know. <laughs> Sitting groups we can find in uh, classes, in schools, uh, from, you know, uh, kindergarten through universities, you can see sitting groups. And you can see sitting groups in office, uh, sitting groups in, the, in the factories and so forth. It doesn't mean anything. But we must say, because for them, for, for some reason, meditation is something that you do only in sitting. If you sit, doesn't matter, you belong to sitting group. <laughs> for... Uh, in the Buddha's explanation of meditation, it doesn't matter whether you sit, stand, walk, lie down, talk, eat, drink, whatever you are engaged in, at that time, if you practice mindfulness, you are practicing meditation. So, uh, Instead of calling meditation groups, these are special groups that they spend some time sitting. After sitting, they can walk with mindfulness. They can eat with mindfulness. They can talk with, we all can talk with mindfulness. So if we keep doing every possible uh, activity uh, all the time with mindfulness, we are practicing mindfulness. And if you keep doing it again and again and again, at very little moments sometimes, you know, we may not be able to meditate, be mindful for a long time. Even very short period, if we practice mindfulness, that builds up. When we build up that mindfulness, slowly and gradually, because it has a cumulative effect, we will never lose, if we practice mindfulness for five minutes, every single 
maybe day, that builds up. If you practice uh, many times, five minutes every day, we build up. So, and then that will help us to clean the mind to find out what else is happening in the mind and body. That's called investigation. When we become mindful for a short period of time, mind becomes very curious, become very clear and begin to see what else is happening. That, uh, that's called investigation. When we do investigation, what we normally do? What do, what do these private, private investigators do? <laughs> they ask questions. So we become our own investigators. Keep asking questions, dumb questions. Not asking about so-and-so's wedding, so-and-so's uh, divorce, and so-and-so's uh, love affairs, and so forth. <laughs> ask dumb questions, ask ourselves. How does this happen? Is this permanent? Is this uh, pleasant? Is this impermanent? Is the next thing is permanent? Now the, I experience this thing is imper impermanent. Is the next thing going to be permanent? And the next thing be permanent? This impermanent things makes me brings me unsatisfactoriness. Does next impermanent thing bring me satisfactoriness? We keep asking. Not out loud. Sitting. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, <laughs> one day we had an interfaith conference at, some, at our university, and somebody came from another tradition, I don't know, mention the name. From the time this person came, we all were young monks and lay people uh, gathered together to have a discussion. This fellow, from the time he came, he started reciting mantram very loudly. <laughs> that was really disturbing everybody. Not that kind of questioning. <laughs> we question ourselves very quietly is this going to be permanent? Does this bring me happiness? Is my anger is beneficial to me? Is it harmful to me? Does my metta practice bring me peace? And so forth and so on. We always question Dhamma within ourselves as we experience. This instant I got upset. We ask, this upset going to make me happy? Is it going to bring my blood pressure down? <laughs> so we keep asking questions. When we ask this question honestly, sincerely, we get the right answer. This is how we investigate Dhamma. And then we find out whatever is harmful, detrimental to abandon, and whatever is beneficial, meaningful, profitable spiritually for us as well as for others to cultivate, we learn from our own experience, from, not from books, not because our teachers said that, parents said that, 
from our own experience, we, we have gone through this kind of experience many, many times in our life. And from this experience, we keep investigating, investigating, investigating. As we keep investigating, asking these questions, we, come, we become more energetic because things become so clear to us. We are not trying to deceive us. We are trying to really, honestly, trying to be peaceful and happy. And we begin to see, yes, every time I got angry, I was miserable, unhappy. So when, we, when the truth reveals to us within ourselves, we become more energetic. We, we want to keep attempting, trying to not to let unnecessary, unwholesome mental states arising, like unnecessary, unwholesome mental state is sometimes greed, jealousy, fear, tension, anxiety, worry, covetousness, things like that. Unnecessary, they are not always there. Sometimes they arise, sometimes not. When they are not there, we try try not to let them invade our mind. That's an effort. From our experience, we know when they are not there, we are very happy and peaceful. So we don't want to invite them. We'll hold them at bay, let them be there. We don't want to uh, wake up the sleeping tigers. Let them be there. But in spite of our very sincere uh, effort trying to buffer uh, them against them, and they can, in, they can uh, uh, sneak into our mind. Then we make effort to get rid of them. <clears throat> because we know from our experience whenever they arose, we are not happy. We let them go. As they leave, we experience pleasure, joy, happiness, calm, peace, tranquility, insight. Then we want to cultivate that. These are the four types of effort. And when we investigate, seeing the results from our own experience, we get, we get energized and we use that energy to cultivate this wholesome mental state. That is the third factor of enlightenment. <clears throat> that happens in that order. When mindfulness takes place, investigation takes place. When investigation takes place, consequently, effort takes place. And then, when we make this kind of very harmless, beneficial effort, not uh, being hyperactive physically, this is mental effort. We are full of joy. <clears throat> it is, this is very interesting. When we are hyperactive, we are not full of joy. We are nervous. When we have spiritual effort, cultivate spiritual effort, we become calm, relaxed, peaceful, full of joy, full of joy. And then with joy, 
we cultivate, oh, how did I get this joy? By seeing the truth, by making effort, I got joy. When we are joyful, that joy, spiritual joy, is also not agitation, excitement, like ordinary joy. Ordinary, when people say they are full of joy or full of happiness, they get, they, they refer this joy and happiness to excitement. When they are full of excitement, what do they do? <clears throat> they jump up and down, they smile, they laugh, they, they, they talk, they sing, they kiss, they hug, they dance, and uh, say, I'm happy. That is ordinary, mundane uh, joy that they express. That is not spiritual joy. When spiritual joy arises, that really makes the mind and body really calm and relaxed and peaceful. That is how the, that is how the fifth factor of enlightenment arises. That is what is called uh, uh, tranquility factor of enlightenment. Pasaddi <clears throat> in Pali. Pasaddi means uh, uh, Pasaddi is uh, tranquility in a sense that the mind becomes uh, lulling, soothing, calming, clear, uh, becomes very clear. And that state, without ripples, agitations, uh, makes the mind very peaceful. You can see the difference between ordinary joy and uh, spiritual joy. Spiritual joy is making us calm, relaxed, peaceful. Ordinary mundane joy makes us agitated, excited, and, and so forth. Just the opposite. That is why sometimes when people say the jhana, when they translate the word jhana into English as uh, uh, what do you call trance, uh, because they don't know the, or in earlier translators did not know the meaning, they used the word trance. Trance is just the opposite of real tranquility. So when we have real tranquility, mind and body becomes very calm and relaxed. That is the fifth factor of enlightenment. Consequently, <clears throat> the seventh, sixth factor arises, that is concentration. When everything is calm, relaxed, peaceful, concentration factor of enlightenment arises. When concentration factor of enlightenment arises, that is called jhana, it is called factor of enlightenment. Concentration is called factor of enlightenment. That is what we gain when we practice jhana. And that is called supramandin jhana. When the concentration arises as a factor of enlightenment, that enlightens us. Therefore, that factor, that state, that moment, that attainment is called Supramandin jhana. And then, with that 
we gain uh, equanimity factor of enlightenment. When the equanimity factor of enlightenment arises, mind is in a very balanced state. Uh, <clears throat> and this is the factor, if you, I put it in a, uh, in a scale, when you take a scale, uh, you know, not this bathroom scale, that mechanical, electronic, uh, or mechanical, but this is the ancient st scale which has a rod and both ends there are buckets. In the center there is a needle. When you put something on one bucket, it that side, that side goes down, and then to balance it you put something else of the same weight on the other side. Similarly, these seven factors of enlightenment <coughs> have, uh, uh, are divided into uh, three groups. Uh, one is equanimity that remains in the center, like a needle. And the other six divided into two groups. One is uh, active group, the other is passive group. Active group... Uh, uh, in the active group basket, so to say, <laughs> we have uh, mindfulness, investigation, and effort. In the passive basket, we have uh, joy, happiness, and concentration. Joy, tranquility, and concentration. Now, when one factor is uh, heavier than the other, we balance it with the opposite factor of the seven factors of enlightenment. For example, when mindfulness is very active, we develop concentration. Remember in my talks I mentioned mindfulness and concentration always go hand in hand. When one is very, very powerful and uh, uh, sort of lopsided, then we cultivate the other to balance it. And that is brought into effect by Equanimity. <clears throat> so equanimity is a factor of enlightenment and also a factor of jhana. According to uh, uh, Abhidhamma explanation, they say vitakta vichara piti sukha ekagata. Five uh, dhanic factors, and uh, one which is not uh, mentioned at the very beginning is upekka, equanimity. But it is always present there. <coughs> uh, so, when we cultivate these seven factors of enlightenment, four jhanas or Four jhanas according to sutras, uh, five jhanas according to Abhidhamma are developed. Now, <coughs> uh, how we approach the jhanas? I mentioned we start with mindfulness. 
And also I mentioned that the preparatory stages for mindfulness as well as jhana practice are the same. There's no difference. For mindfulness practice, we have to have uh, ethical moral principles, restraint, uh, mindfulness and clear comprehension, uh, and similarly, uh, in for jhana practice, also we need these factors. So preparatory stages are the same. Then, for mindfulness practice, we select we don't select a particular subject, but uh, for our practice, we use uh, the the breath. <coughs> And breath we use for both mindfulness as well as jhana practice. Because the breath has the ability to bring us either to mindfulness practice or to concentration practice. When we practice mindfulness, <coughs> we take all the details of breathing into account. As I mentioned, the beginning, middle, end, and expansion, contraction, inhaling, exhaling, uh, and also various other things in the body, uh, parts of the body, uh, elements, uh, and so forth. All these we take into account and we focus the mind on them. <coughs> and. Uh, develop our mindfulness. When we practice concentration meditation or jhana meditation, we don't take any of these details into account. We simply focus the mind only on the place where you feel the sensation of touch of breath. Sensation of touch of breath. As we breathe in and out, we feel the breath touching certain place in nasal area and simply focus mind there. When we do that, <coughs> uh, of course, naturally, whether we practice mindfulness or concentration, various type of hindrances arise. That is very natural. Uh, so when hindrances arise, we have to <coughs> Use mindfulness to overcome hindrances. By just focusing mind on hindrances, you cannot overcome hindrances. Yet use mindfulness. <coughs> now, uh, hindrance, uh, uh, before we overcome hindrances to practice uh, mindfulness and concentration, uh, we have to select a time, place, posture to practice. We all know that. Uh, one of the uh, very important things to gain concentration more than mindfulness is seclusion. You cannot gain concentration without, without seclusion. Uh, especially jhana. Some people, without knowing the depth and the 
the way how to cultivate jhana, say, you can gain jhana while playing basketball. So all basketball players can be can gain jhanas. Why? Because they have to focus the mind to put the basket, but the ball into the basket from a distance while running, competing with others, and uh, it is such a you know active, agitated state, and still the mind has you have to be very very uh, focused. Football players. While playing football, you can gain jhanas. Or baseball players, you can gain jhanas. Wrestlers, you can gain jhanas. And so forth. They are very, you know, they make jhana very cheap. <coughs> you cannot gain jhana like that. You have to be settled in your mind and body. And you have to. Uh, secluded from various active activities. Uh, I think it is best for people who are really serious in practicing jhana to take some time off, to be alone, <coughs> preferably going to a, a quiet place, as a cabin, uh, it, whether it's good, go to, go to a forest. Uh, if there are uh, mosquitoes, take a mosquito net. There are very beautiful meditation facilities these days, you know, with the round uh, uh, umbrella-like thing, and you put the mosquito net there and sit under it. No mosquito bites you. Or you take your campus, tents, pitch in the forest, or go to a cave, a place where you can be alone without having too much noises, too much sounds. You cannot find a soundproof place. Soundproof place can be a room, but that is not a very good place, not conducive, because air condition and all these things will uh, create a foul air. But when you go to an open area, a forest, cave, a cemetery, solitary place, where there is not too much noises, noise, pitch your tent, put the t- tent, uh, what they call mosquito net and so forth, and sit down with uh, uh, with the firm determination. This is called physical seclusion. Physical seclusion. <coughs> seclusion also has a physical seclusion as well as mental seclusion. More than physical seclusion, mental seclusion is very important. What is the mental seclusion? We have to learn to leave our office there, behind us. Don't carry your office with you. Or don't carry your family uh, problems to solve. I have such and such a family problem. Let me go to a solitary place and think about it. You are not going to do meditation. You are ruining your meditation with that. 
and you have to make a determination, I don't want to think about these things anymore. I want to have a quiet place to quieten my mind and to gain some deep concentration. Mental seclusion, of course, has various levels. Uh, overcoming five hindrances is one mental seclusion to attain jhanas, and there are higher mental seclusions. Like when you, when we want to attain uh, stream entry, we have to overcome three fetters. Overcoming these three, overcoming these three fetters is another mental seclusion. And then we attain the second level of uh, enlightenment. We have to overcome two gross fetters. That is another seclusion. Then we attain the the third level of enlightenment called never returner stage. We have to overcome remaining two subtle fetters. When we want to attain full enlightenment, we have to be secluded from remaining five subtle fetters. These are the levels of seclusion. But the primary level of seclusion is the seclusion from hindrances. And uh, seclusion from hindrances, <coughs> even though we physically secluded, Secluding ourselves from hindrances is not very easy, but not impossible. Although it is difficult, but not impossible. Uh, we have to, uh, we don't have to list them or remember the list and say, now I uh, overcome such and such, and now I have so many of them to overcome and so forth, we don't have to remember the list. But when these hindrances arise, as they arise, we uh, use our mindfulness, even in seclusion, we have to use mindfulness. Although we need seclusion to gain concentration, mindfulness always must be there in order to overcome our hindrances. Without mindfulness, we cannot gain right concentration. And also we can use various subjects. As I mentioned, the breath is one. Uh, for concentration meditation, various subjects are recommended, like um, color, uh, disc, uh, or a sound, uh, space, uh, like that, there are various uh, objects. I uh, strongly recommend people not to get all these cumbersome things with them to set up a place and find the uh, disc and color and all these things. These are very cumbersome. I strongly recommend to use the breath. When we use the breath, Uh, at first, breath is very, very clear, gross. We can easily pay attention to our breath as we breathe in and out. Uh, as we uh, sit down, 
when things are settled, assuming that we have uh, gone to a secluded place, quiet place, <coughs> that's a very good uh, time to gain either concentration or go to sleep. But we should not deceive ourselves thinking that we gain concentration by going to sleep. And therefore, the first uh, of the hindrances, although it is not mentioned in that way, is sleepiness. The list is, uh, list is given in one way, but when we pra- try to practice, the practice shows us uh, the things happen not in that order. Order is given just to teach, but they don't arise in that order. Just like uh, in the Noble Eightfold Path, the uh, list is given with right understanding, right thinking, and so forth. But uh, when we practice, uh, we always don't follow that order. We practice whatever uh, is present there, that we use as a practice. Uh, It is just like when you go to, when you have a kitchen, uh, you have arranged everything in very, very neatly. You have uh, pots and pans and spoons and uh, ladle and uh, frying pan and uh, fork and you know tongue and so forth. You arrange in a certain way. Even you have numbered them: big knife, a small knife, butter knife, and you know meat cutting knife and machete and so forth. You arrange it in certain way, numbered them. When you go to kitchen to cook, you don't follow that order. When you need a very sharp uh, knife to mince onion, you don't reach the number one machete. (laughs) You use the sharp, neat uh, knife to mince onion. Pots and pans, when you want to cook one bowl of soup for one person, you don't get a big cooking pot. You get a small one. Like that. We, when we practice, we practice as things arise in our mind. In meditation, jhana meditation, when you sit to meditate, when everything is calm, peaceful, without noise and so forth, you naturally will experience relaxation. You relax. The body relaxed, mind relaxed. And then, number one hindrance that can arise could be sleepiness and drowsiness. And then we must take care of that. We must uh, uh, take some measures to take care of uh, sleepiness and drowsiness. One thing we must avoid, sleepiness and drowsiness, by not eating large meal before you sit to meditate. If you did not have good sleep previous night, then have a good sleep before you start meditation. So that when you sit, you will not feel sleepy. If you are physically tired, also take a rest, take a nap, and relax and meditate. 
having taken precautions like this, we we know that that you are not going to feel sleepy. Then you sit quietly. In spite of all these precautions, sometimes sleepiness can arise. When sleepiness arises, we recommend, even the Buddha recommended, some of these measures that we should take. One is uh, we open our eyes and uh, roll our eyeballs and then close our eyes and keep focusing mind on the breath. And if that doesn't happen, doesn't help, you stand up and do standing meditation. As we recommended, everything that I have mentioned so far are very practical things that we have to use in practicing either vipassana or concentration jhana. So we do standing meditation for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever length of time required to get rid of sleepiness, we do standing meditation. It's perfectly all right. Although we are going to sit to gain concentration, in order to overcome sleepiness, we have to stand up and do standing meditation, focusing mind on the breath as before. And quietly sit down and try to focus the mind. If that doesn't work, you get up again and do walking meditation. <coughs> Maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes to relax the body, to get rid of your sleepiness, and then come back and sit down. If that doesn't work, third time you may even pinch your earlobes with the thumb and index finger hard enough to wake you up. When you feel very sleepy, you do that without any hesitation, uh, without trying to chicken out. Uh, if make it make the pinch hard enough for you to feel. If that doesn't work, take a deep breath. Hold it as long as you can. However, if you have a, a weak heart or heart problems and so forth, don't do that. Do other exercises. Uh, don't hold breath. If your heart is not uh, uh, weak and normal, then hold the breath as long as you like and slowly breathe out. When you do that several times, your body would be uh, energized, uh, it warm, it would, body would be warmed up and you even perspire and then your sleepiness will disappear. If that doesn't work, go and wash your face with cold water. That really works. If none of these things works, go and have a nap. <coughs> that is very practical. It is just like when you drive, you know, at night, when you feel sleepy, the best thing you should do is to pull off the road, park the car, putting your hands head on the steering wheel, or relaxing, sleep for five minutes, ten minutes, then you can drive again. Similarly, when you meditate, if you feel sleepy and having done everything, nothing does work, then have a nap, five, ten minutes nap, and then meditate. 
This is how we have to overcome sleepiness. First thing, we must try to avoid sleepiness by taking precautions. The second thing is do something about sleepiness when it occurs, when sleepiness arises. Then what happens when sleepiness is overcome, its opposite will take place. Its opposite becomes active. What is the opposite of sleepiness? Monkey mind. Restless mind. Worrying. Worrying about uh, uh, the things that you have, uh, or sometimes feeling guilty about things that you have not finished. You came to meditate. You have not settled certain family problems. You are family members, your husbands, wives, or children, and so forth, you have not done their, your duty to them, and you feel, how can I make it? Let me go and do that. That kind of uh, unfinished business can make you worry. Or your office work. That's why you should not take your office to meditation. Leave them, you have to tell yourself, uh, let office be there, it will not disappear, it will just wait for me until I come back. So let me go away uh, without thinking about this job. I'm not going to lose my job. I took my leave and somebody who, ha who has uh, taken over will continue my work. I don't have to worry, I must keep this time for myself. I must really respect myself, my privacy, my state of mind, my health, my peace, I must maintain. So that, so that when I go back, I can do even better job. So we have to talk to ourselves before we go to meditation. Uh, when, we have, uh, when we have worries particularly, we must tell ourselves, talking in meditation, especially in Vipassana meditation, is perfectly all right, uh, that Buddha himself has recommended. You have heard me saying several times, don't verbalize, don't conceptualize. Conceptualizing, verbalizing, and talking are two different things. Conceptualizing is repeating words, like mantra. Uh, talking to yourself is advising yourself, no, this is not what I should do, this is what I should do. This is beneficial, this is not beneficial. This is harmful to me, harmful to others. This is not harmful to me, harmful to others. Like that, advising ourselves, talking to ourselves to get rid of certain mental impurities is perfectly all right as a part of Vipassana meditation. And Buddha himself has done that. Especially if you read the Deodha Vitaka Sutta in Vajjhamanikaya, and that's what he said. He did that before he attained enlightenment as a bodhisattva. Whenever thought arose in him, he talked to himself and divided the thoughts into two categories, wholesome category and unwholesome category. When unwholesome thought arose, he did many things to overcome unwholesome thought, either replace it with wholesome thought or look at the root of wholesome, unwholesome thought or be... Uh, have a mindful reflection of unwholesome thought uh, or forget unwholesome thought, don't pay attention to them, or 
strive very hard, clenching your teeth, uh, strive very hard to get rid of them. Or investigate. And so forth, he has recommended 12 methods of overcoming uh, uh, hindrances. And all these are uh, uh, not just remaining silent, but talking, telling yourself, this is what I should do, this is what I should not do. When we talk to ourselves, advise ourselves, chide ourselves, reprimand ourselves by ourselves, then we learn from our own experience not to let unwholesome state linger in our mind. So, when restlessness, worry arise, this is one thing we should do. Especially with regard to past things, we'll try to forget it. If it arises, then we must talk to ourselves. I have done so much. I want to do so much in future, but I need good health, mental health. I deserve respect, deserve compassion, deserve love for myself. I deserve cultivating concentration, making my mind healthy to help my family, to do my job better. And so forth, we must talk to ourselves when unwholesome mental state arises, especially restlessness and worry and so forth, we use all our knowledge to talk to ourselves to get back to our calm state of mind. Uh, about the far past and future, we, that's what we do when worry arises. And then when it fades away, we return to our original primary object, that is our breath, and keep focusing mind on it, and then another hindrance can sneak into our mind, that is what we call greed. Uh, We cannot overcome greed like restlessness and worry or sleepiness and drowsiness, because uh, restlessness and worry are not the roots They are temporary things. But the greed is a root. We were born with greed. Greed is not something we acquired. We were born from the very instant we were conceived in our mother's womb. There is a survival mechanism within us. That survival mechanism is in greed. (laughs) the the very uh, first uh, uh, cellular being uh, is uh, uh, dig into the uh, uh, what you call fallopian tubes at the very moment you are we are conceived why we dig into that in order to survive hold on to something it's a greed so greed started from the very instant we were conceived in the mother's womb. And when we come out of the mother's womb, it is this greed that keeps us alive. So when we are born, we are not very innocent. <laughs> we see little, little, tiny, little infants, babies, 
they are always greedy. They need attention, they need fit to be fed, they need to be clean, they need to be this and that. Always, we all needed our mother's attention. All come from our greed. So that is inner born mental state. That is absolutely necessary for survival, for existence, but not for the attainment of enlightenment. <laughs> survival and continue, continuously existing in samsara is one thing, and getting out of samsara is quite another. To get out of samsara, this is not necessary. But get involved in samsara, keep repeating itself in samsara, greed is absolutely necessary. So when we come to meditation, you cannot get rid of greed very quickly because it is a root, came from birth, from samsara, from previous existence, we build it up. And since I build up in samsara, it has taken, it has a powerful root and this root, uh, out of three roots, greed is number one, hatred is number two, and ignorance is number three. These three are roots. So, when greed arises, we have to look at it. Is this wholesome greed or unwholesome greed? A wholesome desire or unwholesome desire? Because desire itself has two sides. One thing is wholesome, the other is unwholesome. What is unwholesome desire? Desire to perpetuate desire, to multiply desire, increase desire, to do, to support, nourish, strengthen desire is unwholesome desire. Wholesome desire is desire to be desireless. Desire to be desireless is a wholesome desire. When desire arises, we ask ourselves, is it wholesome desire or unwholesome desire? If it is unwholesome desire, this is not what I want to cultivate now. <laughs> this moment, I don't want to cultivate unwholesome desire. Because I am trying to cultivate wholesome desire. When we practice meditation, what are we going to do? We are going to liberate ourselves from suffering. The root of suffering, cause of suffering is desire. And therefore, when it arises, we suspend it. We tell the greed, don't trouble me now. I come back to you later. I know, I know you are not going to disappear from my mind. <laughs> you are going to stay there. Because I have nourished you all my life, <laughs> so it will be there. Uh, but please don't bother me now. Let me uh, have some peace, because as long as we have desire, we have no peace. Desire's nature is grabbing onto something, grabbing onto another. That's why Buddha called it Pono Bhavika, Nandiraga Sahagata, Tatra Tatra Binandini. Pono bhavika means uh, desire is uh, re-becoming. Punar means, punar in Sanskrit, puna is Pali, means again. 
bhavika means becoming. Nandi, ragasagata. Nandi means uh, uh, pleasure. Raga means clinging. Uh, giving pleasure and clinging uh, repeatedly. Tatra, tatra nandini. It, uh, uh, um, it, it becomes uh, uh, attracted to this, this moment and become attracted to that next moment. This, the desire's nature is uh, grass is green always on the, over the other side of the fence. That is the nature of desire, always. That is better than this. Tomorrow is better than that, today. And so forth, so always looking forward to something new to grab. That is the nature of desire. So, when we try to meditate, all of a sudden, desire also is called Mara. Mara's nature is to deceive us, giving us a carrot <laughs> to, <laughs> to follow and say, no, this is waste of time. This meditation is waste of time. You have better things to do. Go, enjoy, have pleasure. Our mind keeps telling us again and again and again because that is what we had been doing. We have built up this habit. So when we try to meditate, we are going against our habit. And therefore, when greed arises, we must talk to greed. Please, please don't bother me now. I entertain you so much, entertain you all my life. I did so many things for you. Leave me alone. Just be a little fair. Don't be so unkind to me. Give me little chance, little room to develop something more peaceful. We talk to our greed and put to sleep for a, for a, for a few minutes. And meditate. Uh, and there are many, many things to think about actually when greed bothers us. Uh, the disadvantage and the trouble that caused us and so forth. So, uh, in the mental seclusion, uh, we have to do something to move them away, to weaken them in order to go along with our practice. Now, <clears throat> our time passes very quickly, I don't know why. Uh, so I will continue this uh, tomorrow. And uh, uh, then I say, I tell you, when we get these things out, how blissful, how peaceful our meditation would be. That is how we gain true, deep, powerful concentration and jhanic concentration. Uh, therefore, it is not simple and, e simple and cheap, but once we learn the system and practice it, we will be on our own. We can really practice and get really deep, right concentration, true jhana. For this reason, I emphasize this very important parts of uh, pre preparatory parts of jhana practice. With this I like to conclude this talk and uh,
today is, I think, Wednesday. So you have uh, time to ask me questions. And remember, I have uh, some questions left <laughs> from uh, Monday. Uh, but uh, uh, if you have more questions, write down, and I try to answer as much as I can. <laughs>